Chris Lindstrom, and this is the Food About Town podcast. Well, it's a kind of chilly evening here in Rochester. Um, apparently, the rest of the country is going through a geostorm and is freezing. So, um, if everybody is dead, the rest of the country, hopefully, everybody here is enjoying listening to this podcast talking about food. Um, <laughs> um, well, and I'm here with somebody who I've been circling around for a while, and we're going to talk about a topic I have lived for a while now, and I'm excited to learn more about his process. Mystery guest, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, my name is Rob Knipe, and I am the owner of Grassfed, the vegan butcher shop. So explain what a vegan butcher shop is, because many people will make jokes when they hear that, and we are going to talk about lots of techniques around it, but what is it? Sure. So, um, I guess uh, you kind of have to go back to like when I first became vegan. Um, one of the things that, um, I've, I found like the long story being that like I was doing this thing, it was vegan before six. Um, and so I would have my breakfast and lunch would be vegan and dinner would be a sensible dinner. Um, at that point in time, my wife was vegetarian. So a sensible dinner meant something that had cheese. Uh, that was pretty much the, the main thing. Uh, and then I got a little frustrated because like, one of the nice things about having a good dinner is that you would then take it for lunch and have leftovers. And with the whole kind of setup that I was doing, I wasn't able to do that. So I kind of decided, you know what, maybe I should just go for it and be vegan all the way. Um, and so it was kind of a learning process of like figuring out things that I could make um, good vegan recipes that you, you know, would kind of... Um, be satisfying and tasty and and that you would like to eat um coming from when i was eating everything and i was omnivore right it was uh that we probably had you know 10 meals in your back pocket that you could like whip together in under an hour your day-to-day yeah like it's what, what do they call that in uh in like uh every cookbook that exists you know i was like 60 percent of cookbooks are 150 easy weekday meals for the family. Yeah, yeah. Or like, you know, if you're like the, what, minimalist baker, then you have your seven bullet points. You're like, it's hearty. It's easy. It's Wednesday ready. It's, you know, whatever she puts in her, her <laughs> things. But the, uh, I mean, the, it, you know, you had that kind of stable of stuff that you could take from. Yeah. Um, and, you know, one of the things that kind of looking back, I always say is like, I, I didn't become vegan because I didn't like meat. Like I, I enjoyed eating meat when I, when I ate meat and there are reasons why I, I don't do it now. Yeah. And so I kind of wanted to, you know, I kind of was like, is there a way that we could have that thing that we liked, but make it vegan? Sure. Um, and one of the things that really what became like the staple was like, can I make a vegan version of that, that meat? Um, so like as one, one great article about us, uh, this, you know, my wife is a Jewish studies professor, and the title of the article was "This Jewish Studies Professor and Her Cheesesteak Loving Husband uh, Opened a Vegan Butcher Shop." And I was like, "That's <laughs> kind of reductive, but okay, yeah, sure." But I mean, I mean, it is. I mean, it's it's very newspaper or TV ready. Yes, yes, and it was. I mean, it's it's. I can't say it's not true. I mean, no. I, I love I love cheesesteaks. It's a delicious. It's a delicious abomination of food. Exactly. Exactly. So. Um, yeah, so it was like, I think the first thing that I made was like a spicy breakfast sausage. And then the second thing was a cheesesteak. And then it just kind of like spread after that. And then we kind of like were thinking about it. And I, I learned about uh, the herbivorous butcher out in um, Minneapolis. 
Yeah, Minneapolis is kind of one of those cities that is vastly underrated for its um, uh, import to the national scene of dining. Yeah. Uh, a lot of interesting stuff going on there and a wildly diverse city. Um, you know, I think a lot of people would assume Minneapolis is a very, you know, very Midwest white city, but it has a, a wide variety of different uh, diverse background people that live there. And it is a very interesting city and a lot of creativity going on there. Yeah, I have not made the the trek out there yet. So mm. that's hopefully somewhere, sometime, you know, knock on wood, sometime soon we'll be able to kind of make our way over there. Because I, I would love to kind of visit um, where, I think where it all began. I, they may, in fact, be the first uh, vegan butcher shop. Yeah, I there. wouldn't be surprised if it was there. I mean, if I'm profiling, you know, in this case, I would go ahead and assume that it could also be like, Portland, Oregon, sure, or you know, one of those kind of cities. Yeah, and I mean, like uh, you know, our, the main thing that we're making is Satan, and mm-hmm. that's been around for like thousands of years. So it's you know, it's not like it's not like the we we've reinvented the wheel, but you know, it's it is kind of a, a fun thing to kind of take the basics of that and then expand and see what else we can make with it. Yeah. So to to resummarize, a vegan butcher shop is a place where you can go and get um, some form of interpretation of of meat-like products in non-meat-based forms. Yes. Yeah, and thank you for summarizing as I went on that very long-winded uh, explanation <laughs> I, of... I, I try to grab threads when I can. <laughs> it's one of those one of those skills where, you know, the, the ADHD brain might bounce you between lots of different things. Sure. But for whatever reason, you know, going on tangents, but being able to grab the thread back yeah. works. Oh, works yeah. all the time. Oh, absolutely. Really yeah. good. <laughs> So we're talking about you're making lots of different making lots of different meat products. So um, let's go let's go back to your path to it. Sure. So like I'll, I'll I think I've said it on the podcast before, but um, I'm coming up on I don't know three years now, uh, three years of being vegan, and like my journey was a combination of uh, control and health issues and moral and ethical things all kind of going in a confluence to say, all right. Something I felt for a while is the right decision. Now I'm going to live my values and do it the best way I can. Um, and I also have a great love for the wide range of cuisines of the world that uh, fully embrace and are amazing with or without meat products. Sure. So that was kind of my journey. And, you know, I've eaten more than my fair share of cured pork products um, in right, my right. days of uh, restaurant reviewing and doing the podcast and traveling and everything else more, way more than my fair share. Right. Right. Um, so what was your path into it beyond like, you know, the wiping vegetarian, which kind of edges you in that direction? Yeah. I, I, well, so I think we kind of, it sounds like we kind of had a little bit of a similar path. Yeah. I, I've, I've been vegan now for about seven years. Um, my wife was vegetarian and then she went back to being an omnivore and then she became vegetarian again. Um, and I, th- she can speak to it better than I can, but I believe she's always said that like she deep down kind of always thought she wanted to be vegan, but didn't think I would ever do it. So she was just kind of like, that would be too hard to like people that do that. I, my hat is off to them. I don't understand how, if your partner is not, uh, that's how we, vegan. that's how we live here. Yeah. Yeah. It, it makes it a little bit uh, like, uh, hopefully like you know, in that case, like the partner is open to being like, yeah, I'll try vegan food. Or, oh yeah. Yeah. And, I don't, yeah, I don't think it would, I can't picture that, right? If one person is doing that and whatever justification it happens to be, sure, 
and your partner's actively hostile to it, that seems unsustainable, awful. right? I yeah. mean, like, I don't, I don't know how, how you would do it. So, yeah, so she, she was kind of just like, I don't think I'll ever do that because, you know, he's not going to do that. And so for me, like, I have psoriatic arthritis. And um, one thing that I've found is that um, with medication and then also, like, trying to maintain a healthy weight, I am able to keep a lot of the symptoms kind of under control. Um, so I started just for those like health reasons and then uh, uh, reading more about it and kind of learning more about it, like what happens. Like, I think for me, like the, the thing that kind of, I was like, wait, what? Like my, like that aha moment was like learning about like the dairy industry. And I'm like, oh, right. Cows don't just make milk. Like that's not a thing that they just naturally do. Like Constantly forever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so like that to me, like was just like, I was like, well, duh. Like why would, why would I think that? Because I guess years of milk mustaches and got milk commercials, like just I mean, that's what that's what millions and millions and millions of dollars of advertising will exactly. do. Yeah, it's really tremendous. Just... <laughs> I mean, it, it is so exceptionally well done. Like, I mean, you have to tip your cap to like, oh, we we really want to push this industry. They did a phenomenal job. Yeah. I mean, how much money was put into you know all the food pyramid stuff and everything else? It's it's spectacular. Yeah. The success that they've had. It, it, it mind boggling. Yeah. Oh, when yeah. you kind of think about it, but it, it was, yeah. So for, for me, like kind of it evolved into more of an ethical, uh, kind of decision. And the thing that like, I know, like we've always kind of said is like, after like doing it for, I, I think even like, like a couple weeks, it was just like, whenever we ate, like you just, you felt like inside you, like you felt lighter, like it, your, your conscience was like kind of cleared. Cause you're just like, okay, nothing was harmed by like what I'm eating right now. And like, I feel better about that choice that I've made. Um, and it is a choice, right? I mean, absolutely. You, you can easily just say, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore. And even from like seven years ago when this, you know, we were making this initial decision, like the amount, uh, the, the, the variety of options that are available to you now, like just walking into a Wegmans, like is incredible. Like staggering really. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like there are whole sections now they're like, this is vegan. You're like, great. The labels are obvious and it's like, it, it really is tremendous what's out there now. And both like, Hey, if, if I want to embrace my inner garbage person, which there's, there's a monster within me that wants to eat the most junky things that exist. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it wins a lot more often right. than I would prefer, but all that stuff's available um, yeah. in, in ways that are comprehensive. Like, you know what, if I want chicken nuggets, I can have some, a chicken nugget that's actively better than any chicken based chicken nugget I've ever had. Sure. The impossible yeah. chicken nuggets are essentially perfect. Those are, yeah, it's of. the best. It may be the single best thing I've had that is replicating from a 100% texture. Everything's a hundred percent perfect, mm -hmm. but it's also a wild amount of ingredients and a wild amount of different stuff in there. Sure. And there's so many different ways of doing it, which kind of pivots us over to, some of the ways that you do, I mean, you have a wide range of different products mm -hmm. in the shop and I've had the pleasure of having, I think a, a lot of different versions of them. I've had some in, on sandwiches at your place. Mm -hmm. I've had some on pizza, uh, at some of the finer pizza places here in Rochester, mm -hmm. including, uh, peels on wheels, which is absolutely killing it with vegan products right now. Yeah. Um, to everybody, if, if you're leaning this way and you just want to say, Oh man, I'm going to miss pizza. 
go go get some pizza from Luis over at Peels on Wheels, and it's it's wild how good his pizza is. Yeah. No, absolutely. And it's nice because now it's like, um, I feel like initially pizza was one of those things where it was like, oh, I can't get like a great one. Like the. It's hard. Yeah. Like, cause I, I'm, I'm a traditionalist when it comes to pizza. Sure. And I've traveled to what was at the time ranked as the number one ranked pizzeria in the world. Oh yeah. In Cagliazzo outside of, you know, outside of Naples. And it's, it's amazing. And I loved, you know, margarita pizza was my favorite thing. Oh Yeah. I don't think I can have that because I understand the limitations of what this style of eating offers me. Sure. And at some point you can't have what doesn't work. Right. You have to embrace what is in front of you. And I can still have amazing Neapolitan style dough, but you know what? I probably have to have a tomato base with different ingredients on it. Right. And that's okay. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's nice because yeah, there are so many different like kind of avenues that you can go, but I think my, my point was that there's yeah, now please. more, um, you know, yeah. Heels on wheels is amazing. Like that. The first interaction I had with them, they like, um, uh, he decided to do a, a special and it had like our salami and then, um, I believe roasted red peppers. Um, probably, I think arugula. Yeah. I could be wrong with that. I, 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 I had that one. Yeah. It I, was, and that it was, was so good. It was mind blowing to me, like how good that was. And like the balance between like the sweet and the salty and it just, everything came together and it was like amazing. And now like, we also have like with you know to spread my Monroe Avenue love uh, right up the road. We have Create a Pizza, yeah, which they do a great job. It, yep, and they got like our our pepperoni. So like if I just wanted to get a real quick like personal pepperoni pizza, you can run there. You got Squatchos that just opened up which, downtown. Yeah, so it's right right in the heart of downtown and. Um... Uh, so Luis at Peels on Wheels is taking New York pizza to its logical extremes mm-hmm. of uh, modern techniques, uh, really precise ovens, um, fermentation, imported ingredients. It's the modern extreme of New York style pizza. Squatchos is your corner shop done yep. really well. Yeah. Uh, it, and it's, it, yeah, like you're saying, it's like they, they offer, it's the same product, but it's like very different as far as like approaches go. Yeah, it's a different but, mentality. Exactly. And that's and, okay. Oh, totally, totally. But like, how nice is it now that there's actually a place that you can walk in and be like, I want a slice. Yeah. And they, they have it and it's right there. And, right, and they got a, and it's all vegan. A buffalo chicken slice. <laughs> yep. Really good. The, the pepperoni slice, really good. And it's, you know what? It's, I love that that exists because they're not trying to be the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think that's there's some value in doing the work to do as good as you can to replicate and then understanding what you have in front of you. Sure. And that they're very different things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's also like it goes back to like whatever, you know, I, I find that a lot of times I'm drawn to um, things that remind me of like what I had when I was younger. Right. Yeah. So it's like, you know, there's I'm sure there are people out there that are like Domino's pizza. It's, uh, you know, looking back on it now, you're like, that was kind of a garbage pizza. But I would eat that garbage pizza all day long. Right. You know, so it's sure. like it's like trying to find that that thing that's going to scratch that itch that that's happening right there in that moment, you know? So yeah, there's, it's great that there's so many different options at this point. Yeah. As again, looking back to even like five years ago where you're like, there's not that much like at the Chester cab, you're like, I could get that. Yeah. And it's wildly expanded and the amount of quality is expanded. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I want to do is let's, let's get a primer for the wide range of products that you offer at the shop. Sure. So, um, what, what's, what's the starting point when you first describe it to somebody, 
what's the first product that you go to as you're like, Hey, this is the one we do. This is our, this is our main line. This is our number one thing that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of depends on the person that comes in yeah. um, and it kind of depends on what they're looking for. So um, I think our bacon is something that I was offered on the first time that we were, you know, had our order form when we were still in the Hunkerford. Cause um, you started there, right? Yeah. 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 So we were, um, uh, I was renting kitchen space from eat me ice cream and they, I, I was putting out a order form on a Sunday. People put their orders in by Thursday and then pick it up the following Monday. Um, and so I think when we first started, I had like, I, I want to say it was five things. So it was like, um, bacon, breakfast sausage, chicken cutlets. I think it was sliced turkey. And then mm. probably shawarma as a gluten-free option. Sure. And, um, so those are all pretty much like the, like the, I don't know, like the ones that have been around the longest. And Core like, products. Yeah. And they've, they've kind of, they keep coming back. And I will say like probably at this point um, of those, the bacon is probably still the number one seller that we have overall. It's probably now the pepperoni that we have is, is catching up uh, pretty quickly with that. Um, but like if somebody's coming in and they're looking to kind of, if they're not vegan, um, but they want to try to introduce some more like plant-based stuff in their life. I think the chicken cutlets are a pretty good um, like primer for that. Cause it's, it's kind of almost like a blank slate, right? You can, you want to do uh you want to bread them and put a, like a, you know, a, a, make like a schnitzel. Great. It's going to work for that. You want to throw it in a stir fry. Great. It's going to work for that. Uh, even just pan fry it slice it up, put it on top of a salad. Great. You can do that. You know, it's, it's very, I try to make it as versatile as it can to, to work as many different ways as someone might want. Sure. Um, and then, yeah, now it's just, we've kind of expanded more the lunch meats. I don't think we do quite as much as we maybe used to now that we offer sandwiches. I think a lot of people are like, you'll put it on bread. I'll let you do that. And you're like, okay, no, we can do that for you. Yeah. I mean, the assembly process is, very challenging. Yeah. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> the, the two pieces go on the outside, the bread? I don't understand. I yeah. mean, it's just, with, you got to write out all the steps. <laughs> Which, what's the plate? What? It, yeah, yeah. It's funny because like in the kitchen when we first started doing sandwiches, I would make a drawing of like in a, you know, exploded sandwich of like what the layers were. Yeah. Um, which was silly for some of like, I think like the first sandwich we did was like a pastrami on rye and it was like pastrami, uh, vegan Swiss, spicy mustard and like the rye bread. Like it's that was sandwich, it. Yeah. yeah. It was like, it didn't need an expanded thing, but then it did get, <laughs> it got more complicated. I swear. I swear yeah. later on, uh, more, more stuff got involved. The, when we did like our, our bond me, that was like, I was using the butcher paper at that point and we were pulling it out and it was, you know, three feet long. And One of the world's great sandwiches. Oh, it's so good. It is so good. Now that now like now that I've brought it up now, I'm like, oh, I gotta bring it back. I gotta. Yeah, it's it was one of those things that was one of the things I missed. Mm-hmm. Um was that you know, th- there's a specific flavor of the, you know, that uh where I think they always refer to the Dac Biet um banh mi, which always had like the you know, the the white lunch meat, mm-hmm. you know, that amalgamated pork product. Mm-hmm. It had like head cheese and then it had like liver pate and -hmm. all that stuff. And all those things combined, um, you know, with the pickled vegetables and then whatever mayonnaise and maggi seasoning and everything like that. It was a very specific flavor. Yeah. And it was those kind of things are really hard to get to all of it. Mm -hmm. But capturing the 
essence of it is where the challenge is, is how do you get to most of all those flavors and tackle it in a way that everybody feels like they've gotten their gotten their emotional money's worth yeah not just their dollar worth but like their emotional money because that's a that's one of those sandwiches where there's a lot of feeling in that sandwich yeah well in I think that's one of the, it almost gets easier when you get sandwiches that are more complicated like that, right? Because it's all about like figuring out the the balance between all the different ingredients that go in. That one in particular is like so crazy with like how much stuff goes into it. Mm. Like, so for ours, we do like, um, it's a lemongrass uh, grilled tofu and that's like our, you know, meat. Great and choice. Then, yeah, right. It's lovely. But then uh, along with that, you make a ginger scallion oil. Mm-hmm. Um, you pickle your daikon and your carrots to make that awful smell that you're just like, <laughs> something has gone horribly wrong, but it tastes so good. Uh-huh. Uh, Rad- radishes, you know, I wouldn't say they're the best smelling thing in the world. Well, particularly if you pickle them. Uh-huh. And then you're really opening a door that oh, cannot but, yeah. be shut. But and, that crunch. Mm. Oh, it tastes, and it tastes so good. And then... Uh, you get along with that, you've got your, your cucumbers, like you said, the mayo. Um, we use uh, we use Bragg's uh, liquid aminos just mm-hmm. because uh, we are a kosher shop. And unfortunately, the, the Magi is not uh, kosher. Not certified, which, yeah. Yeah, which, you know, you're like, come on. Yeah. Um, and then along with that, then you got like jalapenos in there as well. And the cilantro, which I'm sorry, it has to be made with cilantro. 100%. You can't, you can't not... You, you have to go somewhere else for your right. Pe- people, <laughs> your vegan bond me if right. <laughs> I, I think people can people can remove it. Um, people can ask for it not to be there, but if it's not there by default, and it has to be whole sprigs because, mm-hmm. like, get you have to be able to pull them gonna, out. Like, yeah, yeah. You're not going to be able to uh, successfully like bite totally through it. Yeah, right. no. It's a it's a it's an experience. And right? the bread it's, too. The bread the bread is a challenge. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Good bread. You know, getting that, that shatteringly the, crunch outside, that little rice content in there. It's, yeah. When it's right, it's right. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a... And then, yeah, you get to watch people try to eat it, which is always fun, too. I mean, <laughs> it just kind of spills out everywhere, and then they're, yeah. they're picking it up with their hands and eating it, and you're like, okay, we did good. Yeah. We did good. They like that. So, speaking of tangents, I'm going to take a tangent. We're going to go on a break after that, but um, you mentioned that your shop is kosher. Mm-hmm. Um, Brighton obviously is, uh, kind of our, uh, highest concentration of Jewish people in Rochester. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of, uh, lots of temples and a lot of people, uh, walking around. I know, uh, there's a, a Jewish deli in the neighborhoods where Brownstein's was, mm-hmm. um, Malik's bakery, all those kind of things all on Monroe Ave all the way up and down. Um, so question is, and I've read some about this, but I'm wondering how it's perceived from the community that's frequenting your place so um you're talking about sandwiches that are ostensibly kosher Mm -hmm. with a meat a cheese Mm -hmm. and other products on there how is that received and is that actually considered to be kosher even though it ostensibly could be i know there's a lot of debate around you know fake meat products um and and i say fake meat not in a derogatory way Mm -hmm. but like uh uh, like the artificial pork products right. and cheese. And there's some debate in the community. H- has that come up during those discussions? Um, not short answer, not really. Okay. Long answer, uh, when we were first opening, we were approached by um, uh, Rabbi Klimnik, who was at the synagogue just up the road. 
And so he was like, I think right around the time that we were opening uh, Sabra Grill, which was in 12 Corners. I, I feel like they had closed or they were just about to close. Yeah, so it was a little Israeli, uh, you know, falafel shawarma shop. Yeah, yeah. And so they, it, it was like them, um, Lippmann's, the, the actual deli. Yep. Uh, those were the two places that were kosher in Brighton. Um, so he was kind of interested in trying to make more options available for his congregation. So he, he, he approached us through, or we approached him through a third party and, um, they, we figured it wouldn't be that hard, right? Because we don't use dairy. We don't use meat, which is the two like main things that you can't really do. You have to do one or the other pick a lane, right? Yeah. Very, um, very few shellfish and vegan food. Yes. Yeah. We, yeah. So really, uh, you know, I think when we got right down to it, probably we ended up uh, changing maybe like five or six ingredients total, you know, from what we were using to finding a product that was considered kosher. Mm. Um, so not a huge thing for us to kind of do. Um, and the thing about it though, is that um, this is kind of how it used to be like years and years past. There would be a local guy who is like, this is what you have to do to be kosher. But you go to the next town over, and that guy's like, that guy doesn't know what he's talking about. That's not kosher. We're going to do it my way. This is kosher. And then some guy two towns down over is like, no, no, no. Both of them are right. So we're actually in the process um, because uh, the rabbi ended up moving to Israel. The temple got a new rabbi. We kind of figured this was a good time to kind of make it so we could get a more recognized uh, kosher symbol. So we're in the process of getting star K, which is a nationally recognized uh, kosher thing. And it's moving along, yeah. as they say. So slowly but surely, we'll get there. I'm hopefully, he says, knocking on wood here, uh, we'll get a, we'll get that pushed through sooner rather than later. But, More specific challenges than you were expecting? Um, no, no. I, I think it's just, I, there, so there was some, like, when we first opened, um, we have, like, a certificate that says this is, uh, this uh, this business is being supervised by Rabbi Klimnik, and then there's a little asterisk at the bottom. Um, my mother-in-law makes a chicken salad that has uh, artichokes in it, mm -hmm. and um, artichokes are not considered kosher. Okay. So I kind of was like, I don't think I can, if I lose the artichokes, I don't know if that's going to make a difference with the actual recipe or not, but I'd rather not. And he was like, look, get a separate cutting board, get a separate bowl to mix it in only use like one utensil to serve it and you know don't get a special get a, a sponge to wash all that stuff off that you only use to wash that stuff off and i'll just say this is the one thing in the store that isn't kosher and then we'll leave it up to the people whether or not they care sure and star k is like that's a hard no yeah you can't use that like there's no wiggle room with that so um, outside of that, it's, there's, I think there's probably going to be a couple more things that we have to, uh, we might have to adjust what we use, but also because they're a national, um, you know, they've been doing this longer. They've, they know what they need to do. And like, if they're like, you can't use that kind of jackfruit, you need this brand of jackfruit that we recognize that you're like, right. they'll, they'll be able to help guide us a little right. bit more. Then we're like. Okie doke. Yeah, we're like perfect. Happy to use that jackfruit because, you know. Because jackfruit is jackfruit. It's a margin of error yeah. thing. <laughs> exactly. So as I often do when I hear something like, um, you know, is the artichoke kosher? Um, I just did a quick Google search while mm -hmm. we were talking. And of course, and this, I, I love the the secondary conversation around it. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
did. So it looks like the reason why artichokes aren't kosher is because often they're served somewhat whole and bugs can get inside of them, which is why they're technically not because you can't prove that they are bug free. Yeah. Um, which is interesting, but the, even the tertiary part is that, um, in Rome, there's a huge, there's a a big Jewish Roman community. Mm -hmm. And one of the dish is Jewish artichokes. Yeah. Uh, I forget the exact term. Carciofo a la Giudia. Yeah. So it's a huge dish there. And like you read guidebooks about Rome and they talk about that dish. Yeah. And of course, the Roman Jews are pushing against that hard <laughs> because that's a traditional dish. We're not changing. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I, we've, I've been lucky enough to be able to go there and <clears throat> had that. And it is amazing. Like it's just, they, the fact that it has not caught on here is, it just blows my, we fry everything. Yeah. Right? Like, and we're not frying artichokes. So they take like a whole artichoke peel off a little bit. They, I think they probably cut down the, the stem a little bit and get all the, the choke out yeah, and then heat up olive oil, drop the whole thing in to fry it. And when they pull it out, they just sprinkle it with a little bit of salt. Yeah. And it's like the outer parts are like, like potato chips. And then as you get into the inside, it's just like perfectly tender and like amazing. Like it is, it, I, I will say before that, I was not a huge fan of artichokes. And then I had that and I was just like, every time like the joke was we'd go into a restaurant for lunch, like my wife and I, and we'd be like, we'd ask if they had the fried artichokes. And they're like, yes. And they're like, we'll take two. Yeah. Uh, two for her and two for me. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I always, so that that's how I love to look at things is, you know, there's always, there's the first part of the story and then how do you learn all the context? And then the, the uh, the repercussions from those decisions because mm-hmm. it seems like it's somewhat somewhat modern and that's an interesting interpretation of things that have been eaten in a country now for a very long time yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think very for, cool yeah and I, I even think uh, I don't know the particulars but I want to say this was probably this decision was made in the last like 10 years like it yeah was, it's a very recent changed from what was before so yeah really interesting stuff yeah um so we are going to take a brief break and uh we'll be back to finish our conversation about grass-fed vegan butcher shop uh with rob and uh we will be right back Hey everybody, Matt Knotts from the Lunchador Podcast Network, just stopping in for a quick word about Curate. Uh, Curate Meals is on a holiday break. We'll be back in January with a brand new name and more amazing meals. Order now for January 11th in Rochester or January 17th in Buffalo. Also, check out any number of the uh, Lunchador Podcast Network shows. We've got Punches and Popcorn, Beer Review Journal, Anomaly Presents, and many more. Uh, throw one on while you're doing any of your... Uh, your holiday stuff it'll brighten your day thanks a lot and uh, back to the show and we're back for the finish of our conversation with rob knipe from grass-fed vegan butcher shop is that the whole thing or what's what's the actual that thing? is yeah you got it That's okay a mouthful yeah i mean it, it's words <laughs> <laughs> what what are places but a collection of words describing a place or <laughs> or style of things um <laughs> um so we left off, we were talking about uh, different offerings at the butcher shop. Um, and we kind of touched on the fact that you serve you serve sandwiches and a lot of other things. Um, what is your personal, like out of everything you make, what's your personal favorite that you still haven't gotten sick of after seeing it and making it every day? 
Hmm. Um, I, okay, so I, I will say, I think for the day-to-day things, um, the take on salami is probably, like, one of my favorites. Um, a, because it took me so long to try to get the salami to a point where I was like, oh, that's that's it. That's what I wanted. Um, it, which, so it's it's essentially a um, like an Italian sub. It's our salami with uh, vegan provolone, red onion, lettuce, tomato, and then an oil and vinegar, uh, like sub submarine oil type thing that we we spray on there. Yeah, that's going to be right up my wife's alley. That's one of her favorite things. Yeah. And uh, when McCann's was open, that was her absolute favorite like thing go-to. there. Because um, she she loves that sandwich and. Yeah, you know, that was a place where she felt good about buying that as meat. Sure. You know, if you're going to eat meat, eat it as ethically as you can by animals that were treated decently until they weren't, um, and that they were, you know, grown on pasture and everything else. Yeah. Um, but having a version that lives in that same world, she'd probably love that. Yeah, yeah. And we just recently, um, we were talking to Maliks because they um, – the original owner sold it and then they got bought and the new owners were like, we should really try to make sure that we've got like the, I think they were doing a similar thing to what we were doing where it was like a local guy's like, this is kosher. Um, so they actually are the first ones I think in town to get the star K certification. So I was like, Oh, this is perfect. Then we can kind of like collab. So they're getting me a sub roll, which is something I haven't had yet, which is I'm pretty excited about. Cause I'm like, there's a ton of sandwiches that I've been wanting to make that I have not had a chance to do. And so, um, like I very excited. Cause like literally it just happened this week where like they brought, oh, they brought some over and I'm like, Oh, these are great. This that's is what so I wanted. cool. So, so what was, what was the part what was the part about that? I want to, I'm so I'm, we're going to go into nerd detail now. Okay. And that's what I wanted to do in the second half was really dive into the process. Yeah. yeah. So what was it about the role that you were trying to get that you couldn't get so far? Mm-hmm. What was the, the aspect that you were like, Oh, what, what was, what wasn't quite right so to you? It's the, the unfortunate Venn diagram of like, it has to be vegan. Yep. It has to be kosher. And then it also has to be good. Uh, which is that little, part in the center there is uh, oftentimes uh, hard. And then if you add in also like, I have to be able to get it. <laughs> that's the <laughs> that is an important part <laughs> yeah. about it. You have to be able to have the thing. Yes. Yeah. I have to be able to actually somehow figure out how to get it right. to our shop and on a regular basis. So having someone up the street is super amazing right. without building a bakery inside your, yeah, inside your shop. I'm just not a baker. <laughs> like yeah. I just like, I feel like there's like certain it takes a certain type of person to do that and have the patience and like, I get the value in like, we're going to weigh this out. So we know we have the exact amount of what, and I'm like, Oh, I don't care. Like I just, (laughs) we're going to kind of wing it. Is it kind of a rounded teaspoon? That's perfect. Just throw it in. That'll work. Yeah. Which is more how I cook things. Um, I mean, we, we have one dessert in our, our, our store. It's a, um, it's a chocolate chip cookie with a little bit of salt on top. and As the, any decent cookie should Should, have. yeah. I mean, you need, you need it to pop. Yeah. So that, the only reason we have that is because one of my employees, Kenton, he was like, we should have a dessert. I'm like, 
you want to make a dessert, you go ahead. Like I have no interest in doing it. Like yeah, I'm, I'm not. not I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to judge what you make because I'm not going to make anything. Oh no, I would judge. Yes, I will eat it <laughs> and be still like, going to judge it. I'll be like, this was delicious. Thank yeah. you. Uh, he he did a, apparently he did a bunch of tests at home. Yeah. Uh, to the extent where like his girlfriend was just like, could we? could you try making a salad next or something? Like, cause I cannot have any more batches of cookies made in our apartment. Like we can't keep on having cookies. And then he takes the cookies and he puts them in the oven to dehydrate them and turns them into croutons. And then she, yeah, and then like, she goes absolutely he figure, insane. He's figuring out yeah, many ways of the failed attempts that he had of like, what do I do with this cookie batch? But he came up with a great cookie recipe. It's, it's awesome. Like it's really good. But again, not something that I would ever have spent any amount of time trying to perfect or do myself like uh, very happy to let someone else to handle that oh, same for sure same thing with rolls i'm like i'm just not gonna like like in what then i gotta get there earlier than i get there now and like i gotta bake the stuff and it's gonna cool and then we got i gotta proof this and yeah gotta, ugh, no thank you <laughs> So, so was it, was it a crunch? Was it a texture that you were trying to get to or more, that you hadn't found one yet? Yeah. More a, I hadn't found one that I, I liked. So I had one that was more like, I found one locally. It was like a, like French baguette mm-hmm. type thing. And that is great for like the banh mi, like we were talking about earlier. I was like, that's perfect. But a little too dense and, and not. Like, yeah. The crust, like you wouldn't want a hoagie that was made out of this bread. A little like, too crackly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It just wouldn't 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 work so i wanted something that was a little softer that would you know be able to be like you cut it and then open it mm. and like build you know like the subway like as they move it down and like what else do you want you know right um, which is i mean obviously your long-term goal is you know just to, to have subway right no, to have to bread <laughs> that's not conceived of as bread <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> no but yeah it's, it's just like finding that like thing like in my head i'm like that's what i want and i was also like that could be the same bread that i use for a cheesesteak which it's we talked about earlier this cheesesteak loving husband has been chomping at the bit to try to find the right bread so i could finally serve a cheesesteak in my yeah. in my establishment so um so yeah. yeah i don't know if you're if you've been to philadelphia anytime recently oh yeah yeah so originally i'm from cherry hill new jersey okay so it's like 25 minutes outside of philly so okay so yeah. there there's a place in philadelphia mm-hmm. I, you may have already been there um i was there for i was supporting my wife during her art sales at a furry convention in downtown Philadelphia, Okay, which is a thing uh, that <laughs> Those I, are all words. that <laughs> I'm tangential to. Um, and, uh, I went and found a place. It was a vegan, you know, junk food place mm-hmm. and called monster vegan. And next time you're in the area, yeah. I could not recommend it more. We I, super satisfying. We just went down there this past October for, um, our <laughs> your uh, <laughs> high school reunion, and we were like only there for like three days, so yeah. we we had a limited window for where we could actually like eat at places. But Monster Vegan was definitely one of the places I was looking at. I was like, well, we, maybe we really? could go over there. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, re- really good. Um, yeah. And it's like sometimes that is that's the itch you want to scratch, mm-hmm. and it does a, does a great job at that. Yeah. Anyways, so we're we're talking about your Italian sub. We're talking about rolls. Sure. So let's go into the let's go into the details on. You said you're you're um, had some challenges making the salami. What? Let's talk about how does one make a salami? What what is the actual process that goes into making that salami? So we 
so originally when I was trying to make it, um, like for me, like I couldn't get it to kind of be the um, kind of texture that I wanted, right? Like if we look at my like sliced turkey, it starts out kind of as a loaf that we then slice up. Um, if I grabbed one end of that and I shook it vigorously, it would probably eventually that that loaf would break in half. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the texture that I was getting for for the salami also. Um, so the main thing that I was trying to figure out is like, what can I add to this to kind of improve the texture, but not make it so it's like so dense that nobody's going to want to eat that right Mm. and so uh right now what we do is we make a white dough for the fat uh and then we make our red dough the red dough is mostly what has the flavorings in it the white dough pretty much just has like uh like garlic in it olive oil um same base of you know wheat protein kind of thing Yeah. yeah okay and so we'll take we'll make the the red dough We'll have already made the white dough. We'll kind of chop that up. We'll throw in a food processor and blitz it to kind of make smaller pieces of it. Uh, And then we'll add back in the red dough that we've made and incorporate it all into it. Um, We'll kind of, that's a pretty big ball of dough. So we'll split that in half. Um, We'll have like our black pepper uh, in like a tray. We'll form it into kind of a log. We'll roll it in the black pepper and then kind of roll it up and bake it. Um, And I found that that has been a, great way to kind of incorporate everything. And, um, when I was initially testing out like the fat, cause I, I, for me, like visually when, when I cut into a salami, I want to see the fat, the whites and the reds. Um, so, so it, even though they're ostensibly not different materials, mm-hmm. you, you find the visual makes a difference to, at least to you and to the customers. Yeah. Yeah. I just trying to get it. So it looks at least something similar to like what it is that you're, saying it is sure um i think helps with um a for people like us that have been vegan for a while and like you remember what it was like like i could make something that is like you know it probably if i didn't like do stuff to color it right like that say the the salami would probably be more closer to a brownish color right sure um it would taste fine and you know, if you close your eyes, you'd be like, oh, salami. But it, looking at it, you'd be like, that's unappealing. I don't want that. Like, no, thank you. So, it, you know, I think the visual aspect, I think, is important. Texture, also kind of a widely, um, I think, underthought about a lot of times when, yeah. like, particularly with like certain meat substitutes that are like I've had that are they're on the market that like, it's like, you're like, well, that tastes okay, but like, I don't want it in my mouth. Like if it it crumbles in a way, like it's supposed to be bouncy. Yeah. Right. Especially since a lot of them, especially ones that are worth eating, you know, classic salamis are fermented, Mm -hmm. right? Which they're fermented and they, they're dried out a little bit. And then they have this certain density that Mm -hmm. when you bite into it, it has this, you know, this richness of bite, you know, that, that bite force you have to use to get through it is notable because it's been, you know, it's been dried. It's been cured. It's all these things. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's... And so that, that's always something that we're trying to, like, think about. And I, I know, like, it's... It, 
there have been a couple times where we've made batches where like they haven't gone quite long enough in the oven and then they come out and they cool in, you have to let it cool off like at least overnight for us um, before we unwrap it. And like, you'll start to unwrap it and you'll be like, Oh no, this did not go long enough. You're like, Oh boy, <laughs> we're like, wrap it back up, wrap it back up. We're going to throw it back in uh, just to, yeah. Cause otherwise you're like, woof, that's a, that's a gummy. Yeah. And it's, it's gotta be a little bit challenging, right? Cause it's, all the things that are going into it are somewhat relatively simplistic that you're talking about. You're not using, I, I've, I've done a lot of research into this over time mm-hmm. and, you know, I've watched a lot of different content where people are making these things with a wild amount of ingredients in them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these, uh, and not, uh, not saying you might use it in some of your things. And I don't say this isn't positive or negative, you know, things like methyl cellulose, things like these that are, that are, uh, functioning as these binders that are bringing things together and different textures. Um, it seems like there's a lot of different angles to go at it. Mm-hmm. How, how do you, you know, there's this world of information. Where, where do you get your inspiration from or do your research to find out different techniques on how to go after this stuff? Yeah. Well, I mean, as soon as you said methyl cellulose, I'm, I'm assuming you're talking about sauce stash. Yeah, of course. Like, yeah, that, that guy loves his methyl cellulose. He uses it all the time. No. <laughs> and it's great. Like, hey, I've I've learned a lot watching watching his content. Yeah. And it has definitely taught me a lot of how the industry and he used a lot of industrial techniques. Sure. That are very um that are obviously used in the you know large large scale meat uh meat approximation industry. Yeah. Um but there's a lot of different people doing this stuff now and lot of different techniques that you can research and go after. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's has to be hard to figure out which angle you want to go to. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I think like initially my main thing, well, obviously was the internet. I mean, like that's the easiest way to kind of get um, like exposure to a wide variety of different uh, techniques and stuff that things, the ways that people are putting it together. I have watched more than my fair share of sauce dash videos as well. I for for reference for those who might not have list, you know watched his videos, I've seen many of them. Um, you know, I think he probably went on a similar journey than that we did. Seems like he's a guy that ate everything and then went vegan with his wife, or his wife went first, and then he kind of tagged along and wanted to make all the things. Mm-hmm. If I'm putting a story on everything, that's right. my recollection. Um, and seems like you know he's gone pretty far down the rabbit hole of industrial technique and everything like that. So called sauce dash on YouTube worth, yeah. worth checking out. You learn a lot of different stuff. Yeah. 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 And I, I think for like, if I put myself in his shoes, I think there's a lot of like trying to reverse engineer existing products. Right. Yep. So like impossible meat came out and he's like, okay, how can I make impossible meat using stuff that we have here? Yeah. Right? How does it work? Yeah. Yeah. So, which I think is, it's interesting. And I think it also like is a, it's a great place to kind of get inspiration for like, oh, let me try something that I've never thought about, like in something that may not be the exact same application that he's doing. Right. But it could possibly work. Um, another great resource that I found is like um, on Facebook, there's a group called Satan Appreciation Society. Okay. Um, and just a large group of people that are very interested in like, trying to create the best seitan that they can. Um, 
I will say that my experience there is like, I think I posted something like once and then there were like 30 things of people like recipe, 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 you know, and you're like, okay, I don't really need to interact here. I'll just look at the pictures. This seems fine. But yeah, you know, but there's a lot of, um, you know, I, I think a lot of people doing a lot of really interesting things out there that, you know, you can use to kind of at the very least get you kind of started down a different path that maybe you, you hadn't seen before. Yeah, so, yeah, because uh, uh, I think sometimes the interpretation that people have about Satan is it's, you know, people had the old experience with it, mm-hmm. which was very neutral, unseasoned, and really relatively bad, yeah. right? That, that's a lot of people's interpretation. It was the, um, uh, for lack of a better way of saying, the crunchy interpretation that would come from the hippie communities, yeah. right? You know, they might have gone to Ithaca and they might have had a Satan something or other. And they're right. like, wow, this is awful. Yeah. Um, when you're, so I guess just to step back. So when you, do you make your own or are you buying it as a base or how, how does that work? Uh, we make everything. Oh, yeah. so you're making your Satan. Yeah, yeah. Okay, interesting. So my, so my introduction to Satan is like I had bought um, a Bob's Red Mill little bag of Vital Wheat Gluten. Um which is essentially like flour with all the starches taken out, right? Um, and so I'd been wanting to try to make it. I'd, I'd been to Vula's and had her like gyro meat. Tremendous. Amazing, yeah. So good. just And so flavorful, right? Yeah. Like just tastes good, great texture, like awesome. Like always get a side. I'm, even if I right. go and I'm not that hungry, I'm like, I'll, I'll take a side. Even if I take it home, like I'll, you know, I, it, it will get eaten. Yeah. Don't worry. It's one, one of those things where you legitimately don't miss anything. You're like, oh, yeah, this is delicious. Yeah. This is great. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I forget, we'd like come from some place, like my family, we'd, I think we were on a trip and we're, we'd driven back home and it was like, you know, that like everyone fend for yourself, like make whatever <laughs> you want. Like it doesn't matter. We'll, you know, we'll be better tomorrow. Yeah. And so I just remember, I was like, okay, I want chicken noodle soup. And so I like, I Googled like vegan chicken noodle soup, found a YouTube video with a man and his very cute, like child. And he's like, here's how we make chicken soup with seitan. I was like, sounds great. And so he took uh Vita wheat gluten and water, just made a dough, didn't season it, just was like, that's cool. <laughs> and then... <laughs> And then made like uh, a chicken soup, like with like, I think he used, he, I don't know if he used the beyond, not beyond, um, better than bullion, yeah, like yeah. vegan chicken stock. I, that's what I used. And like everything I had kind of read about it was like, you know, so when you make seitan, you're going to simmer it in a broth and that's going to impart flavor to it. Um, and I'm here to tell you that is a lie. Of it course it is. Nothing. It just makes it wet. Um, it's just like marinating meat where you like the outside gets stuff on it. It never get never it, penetrates it to yeah. the inside ever. And so this very cute child and her father are tearing up their, their, yeah. their, uh, ball of dough. Yeah, and the and little f- cute child was full of lies. This, lying to me, <laughs> just throwing in these little bits of Satan into the broth. And then they're like, and then you cover it and you simmer it and you come back and then, Oh, it's delicious. And like, they're like, yay, we love it. And so I did it. And then I think I also like probably had the water or had the broth too hot. It was boiling. Yeah. And when I finally went to eat it, I was like, this is the most disgusting thing 
that I have ever eaten in my life. I was yeah, like, it sounds terrible. I was like, who, who, <laughs> this poor kid, yeah. like, has been lied to her whole life. Like, she's five. Like, she's going to have years of therapy. A hundred percent. Like, I mean, that's, that is the kind of thing when eventually they taste something that's actually good. They're like, they would go home and just with tears in their eyes, looking at their parents, like, how did you do this to me? This how is. could you? Yeah. <laughs> No, it, it was a, yeah, I was like, I don't understand. And I think then like literally we went, my wife and I went for brunch at Vula's like a while later. And I was like, I was like, again, this is so good compared to what, whatever that was that I made. And like, we were checking out and I was like, you know, I was like, how do you make your seitan? And can I like come and do like an unpaid internship to watch you make it so I can like figure out what I'm doing wrong. And she the the wise words that came from Vula. She's like, oh, Satan. She's like, it's just bread. Yeah. Um, I'm like, can I curse? No, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. So she's like, it's just bread. You just season the shit out of it. And I oh, was yeah. like, okay. I was like, I guess I'll go try that. But I don't know. It, like, it. I always took that and was like, okay, this was like my permission to be like, okay, go forth and like try to try other things. Go crazy. Like, go stalk people on that Satan facebook group like absolutely look to see what they're doing i mean and it's just like like i was cooking lentils yesterday mm-hmm. you know what lentils need all the seasoning <laughs> all of it everything <laughs> oh you put enough salt in oh then you chilled it and pulled it back out it still needs more salt <laughs> Add more i used salt. a lot and it still needs more yeah yeah but it's the same thing like season like you want to eat it yeah make it delicious absolutely absolutely yeah and i, I remember like when we first were like when I was first starting out um, in the in the before times, before COVID, oh right, uh, we were prepping to do like our first like collaboration with um, uh, Red Fern, and they wanted us to make like a corned beef for them. So like I made like three different recipes, and like I was like, okay, here's trial one. I was like, tell me what you think, give me feedback, and they're like, yeah, uh, it was okay. Like maybe we could try something else, and then. Every single, I think every single thing that I, I sent over, um, Andrea at the Redford, like she would give me things like that the staff like all said. And then she was like, and then like triple the spices that you're putting in. And I was uh-huh. like, okay. And then like eventually it finally sunk in. I was like, I need to add more flavor to all of these things. Yeah. So that's like the biggest takeaway that, yeah, finally was like, I need to season this so it tastes like what I want it to taste like. Well, I think it's part of the challenge, right? So, like, the base has no flavor, mm-hmm. right? Other than generic, right? It, it right. has a generic flavor. Yeah. But it's something that's inherently missing from, you know what, what uh, um, uh, brisket has? Brisket has a lot of flavor. It has minerality. Right. It has, you know, meat, like, depth of meat. It has a lot of saturated, delicious fat in it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have to build all of that plus the seasonings into it. It's not just the seasonings. Right. You, right. Ha- you have to go and do that stuff too. Like yeah. Bring the savoriness. Bring this. Bring that. Sure. It's a lot more. It, it, yeah. No, it's, it's yeah. I've, it, it is one of those things where you're always kind of like, I can't understand like all the things that we're putting into this, I mean, we're not doing methyl cellulose. We haven't, sure. We haven't gone down that path yet. I, I haven't found a kosher one yet. No, I, just, <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't really been looking. I, I'm not going to lie. But um, yeah, there, I, there. Are, occasionally, there are things where, like, I'm like, I don't 
know. There are certain ingredients where I'm like, I guess we could try that. But then also I'm like, but I don't think we need to. Like, I feel like we've, well, particularly now that we've been doing it for, you know, three years or right but also like you know what being happy with something that's actually good and being something that you're actually happy with that's Mm -hmm. a great thing to be and it's if your customers are happy and you're happy yeah you know you can't be creating all the time everything forever Mm -hmm. i mean there's always creativity and there's always the next angle but like reinventing everything all the time Right. That's awful. Right. <laughs> I don't want to be a new person tomorrow. Right. I want to be a slightly better version of myself tomorrow. I don't want to be a new person. It's right. a lot of work. Yeah. No, it's, yeah. It's, <laughs> there's all, I mean, you know, there's only so much time in the day, right? Yeah. You're supposed to brush your teeth twice a day. You have to have floss. Oh, come on. I mean, that's. And so, then reinvent so yourself. Times. Come on. Right. I mean, you can only do so many things. Yeah. Reinvent myself. I'll push it off another day. <laughs> I'll either reinvent myself or I'm going to floss. It's not both. I don't have time. I mean, it's flossing. It's how much time? Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, I mean, we're, we're coming up on the end um, of our discussion for today. Um, We've kind of just gotten into the surface of everything that's involved with all of this stuff. Um, One, I definitely want to have you back another time to talk about events or whatever else is going on at the shop. Um, But, What's the message that you want to leave people with? Like, what do you want them to do? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I guess the the thing that I I would say is that we we always kind of approach everything that we're going to make with the idea that we're going to make good food. Yeah. Right? Um, Has to be first. Yes, and it's not good for vegan food, right? No. It's it's good food. Period. Um, so I think that like if you know you're curious about being vegan if you're curious about like trying a meatless monday if you have friends that are coming over that you're like oh i need to get something that they can eat because i don't have that uh or know even how to make it right that's kind of what we're here for we're you know i've said it before i'll say it a hundred more times we're like the vegan training wheels we're here to kind of help guide uh people who like to cook or who like to make their own stuff like we have that product but then we can also do uh, things where we can make sandwiches for you so you can take it home or take it with you. Um, but yeah, just uh, come on down. Happy to talk to people and happy to have them try the good food that we make. That's awesome. So yeah. what's the location and uh, what are the rough hours? Sure. So we're uh, 980, 982 Monroe Avenue. So we have a, kind of two two sides. One says grass-fed, one says vegan butcher shop. So you choose which door you want to come through. That's fine. <laughs> um and our hours right now, we're doing Sunday through Friday, uh, Sunday 10 to 6, and then Monday through Friday 12 to 6. Um, starting in the new year, that may change up a little bit, but uh, if you follow us online at Facebook, Grassfed Rochester, or on Instagram uh, at Grassfed Rochester, you, you'll be up to date with what we're doing. Yeah, and uh, from my perspective, I've had sandwiches, I've had the stuff on pizza, I've had it in other places. I definitely recommend checking it out. They're doing a really good job. They care about what they're doing, which everything we ever talk about on the show, you have to have a reason to exist and you have to be trying. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be perfect every day, but you have to be trying and you have to have a reason to do something. So, Rob, thanks so much for coming over and uh, go check out Grassfed. And if you're interested in checking out um, Curate, 
Uh, go to curatemeals.com. It's uh, my restaurant service I do with uh, four other guys uh, where we do a meal for two for $35. You pick it up at uh, Three Heads Brewing. Uh, we will be changing the name very soon due to some pesky cease and desist issues we had in Buffalo. Um, so uh, stay tuned for that. That'll be coming out very soon. But go to curatemeals.com or the new website uh, when it's announced and uh, order your meal for next year. We're going to take a break. And uh, it's been an amazing serving everybody over the last two years. And we're hoping to continue serving uh, interesting food and uh, doing good by small minority-owned restaurants all over Rochester. So, Rob, thanks so much for coming over. We'll be back next time on the Food About Town podcast.